Welcome to Divine Throughline. I'm Ma Ananda Srimati, sometimes known as Julie Pyatt, and I'm here to share with you musings and perspectives on what it really truly means to live a life divine. Thank you so much for joining me. Hey, you guys, welcome to the podcast. I feel so blessed to be connecting with all of you through this amazing medium, and I can't believe that I am on episode 100 of this podcast that I launched over a year ago. It's been absolutely unbelievable to uh, be able to share and connect and commune with so many of you uh, via this medium. So thank you so much for joining me here. I have an extraordinarily special guest, uh, someone that I uh, cherish and uh, also spend my life with. And I'd like to welcome uh, Mr. Rich Roll to the podcast for Happy the second time. Here. Thank <laughs> you for having me for episode 100. That's crazy, Ma right? Ananda Srimati. Ananda Srimati, I know. It's, uh, it's hard to believe that, it, that I have 100 episodes, really. I can't believe that you have 100. I mean, this all began in that warehouse in Kauai when we taped that episode one of my podcast, which seems like a past life at this point. I know, and I didn't even know what a podcast was. <laughs> <laughs> but you were a natural from the beginning, so it was inevitable that you would eventually start your own. It has been. It, it's been really extraordinary. It's just, it's, uh, I mean, you and I travel all over the world and, and, you know, I just got back from teaching this amazing retreat on Malta and uh, it's, it's kind of shocking and, and mind-blowing uh, the level of intimacy that we've been able to share via this medium and the relationships and bonds and experiences that it has forged. I think above and beyond anything that we've done, um, uh, definitely your podcast and yes, my podcast as well has uh, just allowed this level of intimacy. I, I don't think, uh, it is, um, it is, I want to say paralleled or experienced really in any other kind of medium. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's definitely been my experience. I mean, when I started, I had no idea what I was doing and I didn't know that I was going to do a second episode and I completely... Uh, underestimated the impact that it would have, um, not just on, you know, an audience, a growing audience, but on our own lives, like the people mm -hmm. that have come into our lives as a, as a result of, of the journey. It's just been really cool. Yeah, it's crazy. And we always hear, I'm going to just shift this mic because I'm looking at a pole through the middle of your head oh. there. That works better. Um, yeah. And the thing that, you know, we always hear and people always share with us is they, they feel as if they know us so intimately and we meet them on the street and they already feel as if they're family or as if they're dear friends. Um, and it's always a little uncomfortable for you and me because we, we know they know everything about us and we know nothing about them. So there's a little bit of a catch up. But it's, it was absolutely mind-blowing for me to travel to Malta uh, knowing that I was going to go host my first retreat, but also meeting this community of people. And when I arrived there... It was a lot of people that were listening to your podcast that had had experiences and then subsequently had started listening to my podcast. And that's remarkable because this is an island, you know, in, you know, south of Italy, south of Sicily, uh, surrounded by, you know, uh, you know, 
exotic lands and waters and, and, and stone temples. And to think that, that our message is actually reaching into these remote places all over the world is, it's kind of stunning. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's shocking, you know, <laughs> frankly. Um, and I still don't, you know, know how I you know, process all of that, but mm-hmm. it's been, you know, it's been extraordinary and it is an intimate medium. I mean, I've done 326 episodes, I think. Yeah. And, you know, that's probably almost 700 hours of <laughs> me talking. <laughs> so if anybody's been listening consistently, like they do know me, like that amount of time, I mean, you're, who you are is going to come through even when you're hosting guests. I mean, it's your personality and, mm-hmm. and, you know, I made a choice to be vulnerable on my show and share things about, you know, my life, our life. We've done that together. And I think that the, the, the tone, um, just the, the sense of honesty that, you know, we try to bring to it is, is what allows it to connect with people. I think that's really where the emotional connection takes place. Yeah, definitely. And I, you know, we kid about it, we joke about it, but I honestly have to say that the podcast conversations that we've had between the two of us and when we travel and host retreats and we record podcasts, they actually improve the quality of our relationship. Yeah, I know. I should go back and listen to some of them. <laughs> I never listen to, after I have them, I put them up. I never listen to them again. Yeah, but the thing is, I mean, just just in the process, I mean, just the fact that we're going to sit down. Here we're husband and wife. We've been together over 18 years. And we're sitting down to actually have an intimate conversation with each other, uh, you know, on a, on a Saturday evening. And it's kind of funny because... When else in our busy lives, I mean, I think a lot of people and a lot of couples would be, you know, we're caught in the momentum of life and where, where do we prioritize? I mean, you and I, the way that we juggle our family, it's usually, you know, you handle the kids while I go do this and then I handle the kids while you go do that. So it's like, when, uh, when is the couple actually, you know, making, carving the time out and making the time to sit together? And I think the podcast has brought, has brought a gift with it that, yeah, that has allowed that. I mean, normally it would be like, okay, it's date night and you go out to dinner <laughs> or whatever and you have a conversation. But if it's on some level, it's also a little bit tragic that we have to put microphones <laughs> in our Because if I said, okay, Julie, it's Saturday afternoon. Um, you know, we have that appointment. Let's go upstairs and like, let's just sit down and we're going to stare at each other and just talk for an hour and a half or whatever. <laughs> Could, can we film it? Without, without there being, yeah, <laughs> any accoutrements there, right. you know, I, but. Well, luckily we do do that as well, yeah. but I just have to say that I have enjoyed this medium and I think I really f- have felt a deepening and it's an intimacy, I think. And an every ability couple should start their own podcast exactly, just for that reason. Exactly for that reason. <laughs> it's actually a great marital tool, I think. So um, much in my Srimati style, I um, I did not choose, uh, I did not think about or plan in advance. <laughs> yeah, I'm shocked. And actually, was a, but what this? was amazing was that you never asked me, what are we going to talk about? Well, Do usually, you understand that? Yeah, well, I've, I've let go. That you you certainly have, let but if go. you were coming onto mine, I would have exerted a little muscle, a little muscle, like preparing you would have, and making sure that like structure. we had a structure about what we were going to talk about. But that's not your style, that's and I'm a guest on your show, so that's we'll talk so about cool. whatever you want to talk. No, about. but what I did want to talk to you about is I I wanted to talk about a relationship. I wanted to uh, don't worry, there's no no Uh-oh. big surprises coming on the air. This, no, I came an ashen came across <laughs> no. my face. No, I am. Um, 
You know, I've had this amazing uh, kind of sense of what's happened in our relationship, I think, even in the, like in the last year, and it's been quickening, and I think refining even in, in the last maybe, I don't know, five, six months. Um, but I feel as if I have stepped into a deepen, like a deepening of, of spiritual awareness, of physical communion, kind of sort of like a global holistic deepening of the quality of our relationship that I know for certain I never really imagined I would experience. It's almost as if um, there is a refinement that has come after all of these years and for by the grace of God or the way that you know the universe has planned it that we've uh, drawn closer together throughout all of these experiences I can feel your expansive uh, journey um, actually uh, deepening into spiritual awareness and I see it reflected in your your balance, your cadence, um, your comfort, your calm, your presence. And I wanted to ask you if you how you feel about our relationship and how are you meeting spirituality in your life today that maybe is different than um, the first narrative when we first turn these mics on of like, you know, Julie's my compass and you know, she's very spiritually connected and I struggle, but, you know, she sort of holds that vision for me because I really feel this light awake and alive and thriving in you in a, in a really beautiful, beautiful way. I'm glad that you can see that. <laughs> I don't know that I am a, a objective arbiter of that in my own life, so I'm glad you're reflecting that back to me because I still sort of look at it uh, you know, as you being the compass and me being the struggler. And I think that's still true. Um, I've tried to expand my horizons there and I've been more open. Um, but I, I'm hard on myself. I think I, I don't do it perfectly. I don't get up every day and meditate and, you know, I'm not as dialed in in terms of my daily routine and practices that as you are. And, you know, I may never measure up to that, to that level of devotion that you express in your life, but I think I've, I think it's an overall kind of comfort with my place in the world, and I'm pretty secure in in uh, in in what I'm doing, and I feel like I'm being guided and rewarded for that. And so there's a sense of comfort that comes with that that allows me to relax a little bit more. Mm. And you know, I've sought guidance from people like Guru Singh, who's been a great you know addition to my you know, tribe of mentors or, you know, board of advisors. And that's been really cool. Um, but I don't think that, I don't know that I've uh, developed any kind of dramatic practice that I can point to and say, well, this is why. I think it's a gradual, organic um, process of just getting more comfortable in my skin and, and you know, what I'm here to do. Mm-hmm. Well, it, and, you know, I would say that um, it's much less about whatever physical practice you commit to or, or the diligence or the schedule. But what I'm saying is I'm seeing it vibrationally in you. It is apparent because you are embodying it because it's in your being. It's in you. It's in your essence, which means that you're in the practice every breath you take. That's the whole, that's the whole 
that's the whole purpose of why we have a practice because we want to be able to embody those more expanded states mm. and peacefulness and presence. And so, you know, I've really, really seen, especially in the last three months, just a beautiful um, kind of flowering of that and it really coming to the forefront. And, you know, I think that it has made our relationship, is making our relationship deeper and deeper and deeper. And I am extreme, feel extremely blessed for that because I think it's something to be cherished and something to be uh, really... Uh, grateful for, you know, in this world of so much external stimulus and so many relationships not uh, resulting in close bonds, you know, a lot of a lot of differences or traumas or pains that can't seem to be reconciled or resolved or uh, some common ground found. And I hear from my uh, clients and listeners and people that contact me. Somebody I worked with today, as a matter of fact. Um, you know, they tell me my favorite episodes are when you and Rich are together sharing. Mm -hmm. Um, so, uh, I was glad we were going to turn the mic on today, but what I wanted to ask was, um, how important do you feel a spiritual practice is in today's world? Like it's getting really crazy out there, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> The crazy, the crazy meter is pretty, you know, it's going, it's going off the rails at this point. And I know you interviewed Guru Singh last week and, and I wasn't there for that. Um, but it's like, what, it, what is your sense? Like, like as you see, okay, so we have things occurring in, in the current landscape and we have, you know, a lot of people being called out on Twitter and we're losing some artistic shows as a result of it. You know, it seems like, you know, many things are collapsing in different ways, but, uh, what is in your, uh, perspective, the focus or the thing that, that is cultivated or should be cultivated as a way to transcend the crazy highs and lows and polarities and kind of the circus that's going on? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it is, the times are crazy and it's, it's very easy to be in a reactive mode to that. And, you know, that's my natural disposition to bounce around like a ping pong ball, reacting to everything around me. And what I've learned and what I'm trying to master and get better at is to be neutral in the wake of everything that's going on to like, just know what I'm supposed to do um, and not be in a place of constantly responding to everything that's happening. I mean, it's, things are crazy. Like one year ago, Trump gets elected. This guy who's, you know, everybody knows is like basically the manifestation of now what is getting outed and all these other people currently. And I don't think that's a mistake. Like, why is it that the guy who's, uh, you know, in the White House is, you know, one of the largest perpetrators of this crime that is now, you know, destroying the careers of all these entertainers and these people that are coming out of the woodwork, you know, on a, on a daily basis. There's a tipping point happening right now, and there's an acceleration. Um, I feel like everything is speeding up, and there's a mania around it. And although I'm glad that all of this is coming out, and it needs to come out, um, I don't take joy in, in kind of the taking down of other human beings either. Like, there's something in me that's sad about that. Like, it just feels like... Um, tragic on some level. Like I don't 
I don't, it's like, I, I think the me too thing is great, but there's also like, a there's just something kind of, uh, sad about the whole thing that makes me a little bit depressed about our culture. And so for me, I have to just, what am I doing? How can I be of service? How can I raise the vibration? How can I put something out there that's positive? I don't necessarily have to engage in the conversation around every single issue that comes up. And, and that's one thing I talked to Guru Singh about, like what is my responsibility, your responsibility, our collective responsibility to engage in the dialogue around issues that affect all of us? Um, do we have a responsibility as people that have a voice and a platform and an audience to speak to these things? Or is our mission about something else? Like can we uh, divert attention into positive channels and safer receptacles for people to invest their time and energy. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think what you're, you know, how I feel from my perspective is the solution isn't in the lynching of the criminal or the, you know, the annihilation of that energy with, vi you know, with violence. And it's not going to heal this immense sexual imbalance that is permeating our entire human culture. It exists, it's existing in many, many, many different areas. And so I shared about Me Too, and mm -hmm. you guys know, and you read about that. And, and for me, my compass for that was that I experienced that very viscerally as a young woman in business, and I, I knew it very well. That experience had visited me very well. And for that reason, I spoke out. However, I didn't speak out because I wanted to get even because I know that the healing is within myself. So as a spiritual creator or a life design creator, I've created every experience in my life for my own evolution, for my own realization. And so in my particular case, the way to um, transform that was to go into it within myself and uh, explore it, you know, what does it mean inside of me? What were the lessons that I learned from that? Um, however, I did want to call out this whole paradigm of um, powerful uh, men with hundreds of millions of dollars or in very, very powerful situations, preying on women, preying on young men, just praying, you know, basically being sexual predators in because they have the power, because they can. And it is uncomfortable to look at what is wrong. It's sad because when you really look at some of the conditions that are going on widely on this planet, it is sad. Mm -hmm. It's sad that somebody would do such a thing to another human being. It's also sad that uh, we care so much about movie roles, money, fame, love, in my case, that I would compromise myself at different times in my life uh, through sexual engagement for a promise of fame, money, you know, status, or just even love, just pure love. So you see there's a huge opportunity for us to heal this imbalance within ourselves and to become sovereign and whole on our own. So you and I have talked about our relationship, about how when we came together, it wasn't about completing each other. It was about you stand there and I'll stand here and we want to dance together, but I can't solve your pain for you mm -hmm. and you can't solve my pain for me. 
And really at the point of my life that I met you, that was extremely expansive for me because I had been in relationships with men that were operating under the prince princess paradigm. And I was operating in that paradigm. Let me just take my responsibility for my part in it. I wanted to be swept off my feet. I wanted this romantic fairy tale that is ingrained into our DNA from, you know, the moment we're born. Uh, so, uh, I wanted that as well, but it felt suppressive. It felt controlling. It felt like a, like a, a constriction to my spirit. And as I grew into my power and became creatively connected, I no longer could handle that kind of energy. So when I met you and when you were so vulnerable out of rehab and you know, you said to me, you know, I see you're in pain and I can't take your pain or rescue you from your pain, but I'll stand here next to you while you're in pain. Did I say that? You did. <laughs> see, he can't remember. No, yeah. but I no, mean, it, it was like, I wasn't in a position, I was not in a position to sweep you, you off your feet anyway. <laughs> Had I been, maybe I would have, I don't know. You yeah. Know? But I mean, that's, but what I'm telling you is, is I, I think that that, I mean, that is at least the the evolution of my relationships as far as quality, you know, I've been married three times and I've, you know, been in love five times. There's been a, like an evolution of them. And for whatever reason, at that moment in time, we were brought together. Yeah. You were in no position, but that was the perfect, you know, cocktail or was the perfect recipe for our relationship to start in this divine union that felt very even to me. And I didn't know what it was going to be when I first met you. I didn't think we were going to be together 18 years or do the work that we've done together. Um, we're ex so extreme in the way that we just naturally are, um, that, you know, we, we had somebody told us the other day, you know, if, if I knew both of you, I wouldn't have invited you to the same dinner party <laughs> to like connect us <laughs> to me. Yeah. yeah. They were like, they well, have paper, nothing in common. It, it made, it, it makes no sense on paper. And when we met, it certainly didn't. And everyone was sure to let us know that it, this did not look good. <laughs> you know, I mean, here's this guy, he's like right out of rehab. I mean, I, I had a I had a, a little under a year of sobriety when I met you after spending a hundred days in rehab. You were coming out of a divorce with two young boys. Um, it just that was not like that doesn't that's not like oh they should hook up, you know. Yeah, didn't seem definitely. to make sense. And here we are, eighteen years later. You know, a lot of our friends are divorced or split up, like most people. You know, it's just that's just the reality. So. I'm as delighted and as surprised as anybody. I mean, prior to you, I'd never maintained a relationship longer than a year mm -hmm. and never a quality relationship. So it was all new to me. Yeah. So, um, I talked about this on, you know, my podcast, the me too podcast. Um, I was talking about this prince princess paradigm that has to be dismantled. We have to, to, collapse it and transform it into each being being their own sovereign right, their own direct connection to source. Because a woman does not need a man to rescue her, or, or a feminine energy does not need a masculine energy to rescue it. Um, every being is directly connected, has its own energy to fulfill itself. And if you wish to enter into consensual relations, sexual or a more, you know, serious relationship, 
It should be from places of sovereignty. If you're looking for the other person to fulfill something in you, from the very beginning, you're making a, a soup with bad ingredients. The ingredients are not correct for you to be fully realized in yourself. And this is a it's a it's a planetary grid energy that's actually everywhere because even if you know, if you don't watch uh, movies, you know, or you don't watch Disney, which which this paradigm is imprinted in all the Disney movies, it's the prince rescues the princess, she's in a coma because some old woman tried to kill her. You know, it sets up this distrust trust of women. It set, sets up a, a uh, loathing or a uh, of avoiding aging, uh, for the woman, because it subconsciously tells you that when a woman is past childbearing years, she becomes old and violent, and you know, a, a, you know, horrible individual, really. And if you you can see that thread through all of these childhood tales, and that's what we're telling our children, you know, at that level. Now, a lot of this is changing now, but even if you don't listen to or watch those movies, um, you still get it. You know, you still, it's, still get some the of The problem is even larger than that, though, because outside of Disney and movies, every message that you're bombarded with, every billboard, every radio ad, every television ad, is all about trying to convince you that you're not enough and you don't have enough, but if you get this thing, you will be. And that gets translated into relationships. So even if it's not the prince-princess paradigm, most people are in a state in which they're looking for a relationship to fill some kind of void because they're not self-sovereign, right? They're looking for another human being that's going to elevate them to a place that they want to be in their own life instead of mastering that first and letting the water level rise so that you're worthy of that partner. And so people search for that partner who is vibrating out, you know, at a water line above them, but you're only going to end up with people who are at your water line, right? So you have to do that inside work and become the person that that person would want to be with. And that's the thing that most people skip over or don't want to look at. So it is that paradigm of you complete me, right? Mm -hmm. I need that per I, I have this void in my soul, in my gut, in my heart, Maybe I'm not even consciously aware of it. I don't know how to describe it. I'm not even fully in touch with it. But if I can just get that thing, if I get the promotion or the new job or when I get my paycheck, I'm going to go to the mall and buy that thing. Or if I can find that girlfriend or boyfriend, um, that will be the thing. And then I will be okay. So mm -hmm. it's this low hum, almost imperceptible, I think, in most people. And I carried it around for most of my life of just being ill at ease and somewhat discontent and not understanding why or the path to resolving that and falling under the illusion, the belief that I could meet that uh, need or fill that hole and end that desire by accumulating a thing or a human being. Mm -hmm. or, or collecting a human being Coll yeah, collecting a as human a nice being. ornament on <laughs> yeah. your arm. How wonderful. But okay, so... That's very true. And, and again, this is where I feel the, the inner work. It's, these, it's this inner work. It's yoga. It's meditation. It's um, self-inquiry. It's uh, observing yourself, recognizing patterns. And it's actually understanding what's, what's possible. And 
um, setting the intention and doing the daily practice to actualize and bring some of these miraculous experiences into our lives in total devotion to our greater spirit, our greater self. Um, that's what I share on Divine Throughline. That's why this kind of experience for me is the highest, the highest expression I can offer because uh, yoga only takes it one level, level, food only takes it to one level. But we're seeing that many things that we thought were real are not really that real. And, and everything is starting to slip through the fingers. And so at the end of the day, what do we have except our own heart, our own consciousness, the way that we've lived our life? And so the gifts of transcending all these things that are happening in the greater earth that we're on is to turn the magnifying glass inside yourself and clear these patterns within you. You know, clear them within your family line, face them, um, bless them, uh, do the work, you know, get help from a practitioner, um, do, do a session, do breath work, do rebirthing, do whatever it is to balance it within yourself so that you are not parasitic off of another energy to complete some pain or trauma or something that was missing from inside of you. And it doesn't matter the kind of, I mean, whatever you experience in your life, whatever trauma happened, either, you know, when you were really young, you know, from your parents, from your community, from a boss, whatever it is, the answer for that is inside your own self. And it's just like in my experience, when I was found myself in an abusive relationship for uh, the better part of a seven-year period, um, it was when I took responsibility as a powerful creator of my life that I was able to release and unlock those chains from me. They no longer owned me anymore because I took the experience and I met it as a creator. And I said, what is this here to teach me? How is this going to make me more expanded? And how can I work through this pain and trauma you know, I was beaten, I was spit on, I was, you know, I was traumatized. So it's not like, you know, all of us, many of us in this lifetime have had some of these traumatic events. So the real healing comes inside of ourselves. And um, uh, I, do, I do know that the truth needs to be said. It needs to be stated. And this pattern of uh, a lot of masculine energy... Uh, being very uh, unconscious around feminine energy must stop. Um, it is the feminine who is the divine creator. She is the vehicle that gives birth, that gives life. And uh, she is the spiritually connected, expansive energy of this planet and beyond. So um, telling the truth is really important as a first step. And there's been a lot of really bullshit going on in, you know, business, movies, you know, all different kinds of, of, of industries for many, 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 many years. And this also includes, you know, any kind of sexual predatory uh, activity, you know, anything that is less than two consenting adults. Um, uh, so the truth has to be called out, and that's uncomfortable. 
And, you know, mm-hmm. we're going to lose some TV shows over it. Well, tough shit. You know, I think we have enough TV shows right now. That's mm-hmm. not saving us. That's not giving us a way to transform. It's entertaining us. So at this point, um, it's an opportunity. And it's almost like the light has come on and there are, you know, cockroaches scurrying left and right, you know, all over the place. And um, I think there's going to be more. Uh, There's going to be a lot more that comes to light. And I would ask you, as a father of two children um, in the landscape, I mean, have you... Have you thought about what you would want for your daughters? Like, what is your, you know, you're a man and you're in this culture and it's uncomfortable and, and, uh, and, and you see what's being brought out, but it's like, you know, what do you treasure in your daughters as strong feminine energies? And well, just that very thing, Mm -hmm. you know, the strength and the self-assurance and the self-confidence I think is first and foremost. Like if they feel empowered, if they feel comfortable in their own skin, if they feel good about their trajectory, if they're engaged in life and they know who they are or the, the, the better that they can know who they are at this phase of their life, I think that sets them up to, you know, be able to best navigate the challenges that will come so that they, they're not in that vibration of trying to, you know, solve whatever pain they have through, you know, getting involved in relationships that don't serve them. Yeah. And life will show up for them the same way it shows up for all of us. So obviously there's no, you know, I, I guess I look at it and I, and I, I feel, I feel encouraged by the youth because I think that there are pockets of great awareness within them where um, maybe not all youth, but a lot of them, they've had enough and they see it for what it is and they're, and they don't think it's attractive and they don't think it's awesome. They're kind of like, you know, not interested in it at all. I guess what I would um, wish for or hold the vision for would be a an environment, a world, a city, a location, a family, a community, where if somebody was faltering and found themselves in a compromised position, that there would be uh, a, a love of that and a compassion of that and someone who knew not to take advantage mm-hmm. and to say, you know, let's wait on this, mm-hmm. you know? I think it's you know, a very interesting time. When I was a kid, when I was the age of Jaya and Mathis, like the only way that you kind of knew what was happening in the world was if you read a newspaper or you watched uh, Peter Jennings on the evening news and that was it. Like that's basically your lifeline to the world outside your home. And now kids are, this is the first generation of kids who've been raised on the internet from day one and they have access to everything and they're exposed to so much more at a younger age. Um, and I think there's good and there's bad with that, right? And I think it's going to be interesting to see how, uh, see what kind of generation emerges out of this. But I would agree that I think that, that there is a, uh, a heightened sensitivity and awareness to social issues, for sure. There's a demand for transparency in corporations and government entities. Like they're, they're just these kids have been raised on information and 
and they have come to they have they have extremely well honed bullshit meters, right? If somebody's trying to sell them something or somebody's being dishonest, they have a zero tolerance policy for that. They can see through it in a way that I think our generation had to kind of grow into. Um, and so what does that look like when they're 20, 30, 40 years old? Yeah. Well, I think it's, you know, my hope or my vision is, is that it's a, it's a much more tolerant, um, compassionate and sort of, uh, you know, open freedom and respect for individuals, you know, and their boundaries and their person and spaces and choices in their life. Um, you know, I certainly hope for that. And I think, you know, as a part of transformation and in remembering who we are, uh, the reason that I focus on the connection to the divine as the sole core foundation of everything that I do is that if we know first and foremost that we are divine and that we are emanations of the great force, uh, then we would understand so much more then it's it's much less likely that we would harm another person because you have this awareness and you understand right action spontaneously you don't need a rule you don't need a rule book or someone to tell you how to act you naturally or spontaneously will make the right action in the moment so it's a it's a freedom and spontaneity but it's rooted in that awareness that every single life form that you meet or being that you meet is a form of creation, a form of consciousness and um, your teacher and your opportunity and should be valued and treated as a sacred friend. Mm -hmm. And that's a practice because as human beings, we all have likes and preferences and dislikes and individuals that, you know, we don't prefer so much. But it's a wonderful practice to hold that awareness that no matter who you're looking at, um, the whole world is divinely created in a harmonious mandala. And there are gifts and treasures in every single energy that you meet. And, you know, if something traumatic does happen in your life, your opportunity is to not lose the lesson, is to actually... Um, go into that, face it, take care of yourself and find a way to transcend it, find a way to come out um, as the creator instead of as the victim. And that is your freedom. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so did we do it? <laughs> oh, this is it? I thought we were just getting rolling. <laughs> no, well then let's go. It's... Uh, I don't go as long as you do. You don't? Usually. How long are your episodes usually? I don't even look. You They're usually even like, look. I don't know. What are they? Like, you guys, what are they? They're usually like 35, 40 minutes. I mean, uh, when Guru Singh comes on, it's longer. But no, right. we'll keep, we'll, we'll stay here. You're going to stay we with me. We can go for a little longer. Okay, so cool. So how do you think we're doing? In yeah. our relationship? In our relationship. I think we're doing pretty good. Yeah, what's I, your experience? I, I kind of shared no, mine. No, I feel, I feel very connected to you. Um, I think we're getting along really well. I think we've reached a new level of, of intimacy and comfort and security in our relationship. And I think the challenge is as we, as we, you know, look, we're starting to age. Like we're, we're, you know, we're, we're getting older. We are. You know, but it's like, <laughs> I think that it's easy to kind of settle into a groove and, and the work is to make sure that you don't just become complacent 
in our in take and take the relationship for granted. You know, we've had our bumps over the years with with that. I think with myself, at least, um, and and to make sure that we take time to nurture the relationship itself because. You know, there's a lot of moving pieces in our life. We're busier than ever. We have a lot of juju and like great stuff happening, and we're both super busy. And we've got four kids who are living here, plus Harry, and you know, we have David, and now we have Amber. There's a lot of people living here, right? And so, with that comes a lot of logistical stuff, you know, just to get through the day. And so, it can be easy to default into traffic copping and 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 a relationship based on on transaction like what has to get done today and then you realize like all of our interaction was really just scheduling you know mm-hmm. and so the work is making sure that yeah that stuff has to get done but like that's not really communication between us and that's not really intimacy right that's 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 like property management you right. know <laughs> and if you do that for too long like the relationship's going to suffer mm-hmm. and you know i think we've done a good job of making sure that we've carved out that time and we've been lucky enough to go on a couple trips together without the kids where we can have that time together and I think that's been important um and I think we've just we've been with each other for so long that we have a shorthand too we understand each other and what our needs are and how to meet the needs of the other person and I'm you know I have plenty of character defects that I'm always working on I think when we traveled to Miami I had a private mantra about how to make sure that I didn't act like an asshole, you know, just like, how can I be patient? Like, just don't be a dick, you know, like, oh, like, how can I show up for Julie? How can I be more patient with her? How can I make sure that she has a great experience? Like, and for me, it's like, I have to remind myself and remind myself because my default settings are so, you know, hardwired into who I am. And if I'm not being mindful in every moment, I will default to them. And then I'm not, I'm not in my best, you know, self. So. Well, you did a, a very uh, fine job of your mantra yeah. for sure. Cause I really, it was really, really, I mean, this is part of the market difference that I've seen in the last four or five months. So I don't know, like, where did you get that mantra or who gave you that idea? Nobody gave it. I just, just came like, up with it. That's no, so awesome. It's like, I don't want, you know, like we travel. I mean, the background to this for context is basically. Now we're going to tell you guys the truth. Well, I just, I travel a lot. I travel, you know, I travel a lot on my own and I have a way that I like to do it. You know, I have a very strong, like, this is how it goes when I travel and this is the way I like it. And when I travel with you, it's not going to be that way. And so I have to let go of that, of doing it the way that I want to do it, you know, Mm -hmm. and having the experience I want to have. So we've had negative experiences where I was less aware of that and I just didn't want to have that experience. So I was like, well, in order to not have it, like, I need to just be making sure that I'm in a mindset of trying to be of service to Julie so that she can have a good time. And as a result of doing that, we both have a better time. Yeah, it was brilliant, actually. Thank you. I don't know if it was brilliant. Beautiful work. <laughs> Beautiful work. Yeah. I was, Until next I was time. like, oh, my God. Like, <laughs> this is so nice. <laughs> no, I totally got it. And I really appreciate that. I appreciate the effort and the focus. I mean, it was... It makes a huge difference. I mean, huge, huge, huge difference. And as you know, I'm not super needy. Like, I don't need you for a lot of hours of the day. So I'm, a, I'm like the freest relationship you could probably buy on planet Earth yeah. with someone you love who loves yeah. you. No, it's, it's, it's pretty free that way. Because after me, it would just be like, doesn't really love you, but is in the marriage with you. <laughs> <laughs> because, yeah, I mean, we have a lot of freedom. I think it's this thing, we talked about it before, freedom and commitment. 
And I wanted to, I also wanted to just also acknowledge you and let you know, uh, first of all, I had the most extraordinary retreat that I've ever taught on Malta. It was, um, you know, really free because um, everybody... So I wasn't there. Well, um, because <laughs> it wasn't a plant power way. So usually in plant power way, like people think they've come for you. And then after we kind of get like, through oh, that. This is really about Julie. Then yeah, then we go down the rabbit <laughs> yeah. hole and they they all and it's and it's amazing. But I guess at that retreat everybody listened to my podcast and they all just they were ready. They were like let's go now, like day 1, like minute 1. So I just really could stretch out and really be totally Srimati and really give you know 5000% what I knew uh you know was appropriate in the moment for the highest spiritual transformation. And, and it was magnificent. It was absolutely beautiful. And I missed you. I really missed you because it has, it had a different feeling because I'm so connected to you. And because we do this work together and at least, you know, we do some of our work together. I've, I felt the difference in the quality. I felt the shift. And I think what I learned from that experience and what I learned to value so much is the beautiful space that you hold for me in your immense masculinity. And so, you know, what it looks like for most of you guys listening to this is that, you know, you followed Rich's podcast and then you heard me a few times and then, you know, you ended up coming and listening to my podcast and, you know, and getting into some of the deeper spiritual aspects. Um, but what I, I guess I, I hadn't really felt viscerally was this play of masculine and feminine. And, you know, we've talked about the masculine frequency um, by the the work of David Data, who we've talked about, who I since learned from Colin that it was actually his girlfriend who channeled this information. Oh, really? <laughs> and, yeah. And, and uh, she was actually the one who received it. And now he he shares it, which is totally fine. But, um, but anyway, he talks about the masculine energy being still and the void and presence. And, and it, it hearkened back to your quality of wanting to do one thing of needing your space of liking your routine, you know, and then he talks about the feminine energy of being eternally creating. She's creating for eternity. And so, um, even if the, the masculine loves her more than anything in the entire universe, when she comes near him, he will cringe because she has disturbed his stillness. And I was explaining these concepts to you on the beach in Miami a few months ago, and we were laughing and we were agreeing just how true that is. And I think I'd even said to you, like, you cringe when I walk in the room and you're like, no, I didn't. <laughs> I'm like, yes, you did. Cause you know what, um, what David is sharing is it's like, you know, women are feeling with like, you know, thousands of mechanisms, like we're feeling beings and we're, we're feeling the experience with so many other abilities than the masculine energy has. The masculine is just like empty. And the feminine just comes in and she's firing on all these energies. So, of course, the energy is going to contract when that frequency comes in. So I think what I, what I also um, experienced, though, on retreat was the beautiful container that you hold for my creation. And that is a freedom and a foundation. Like that foundation, I guess, gives me more freedom 
And so um, I, I saw your role in my, in my life more deeply in that. And, and of course, we all have these energies within ourselves as well. So because you weren't there, I got to activate my own masculine energy and hold the masculine space for me, you know, and possibly I think what's happening with you is that you're getting more in touch with your feminine as inside of you, which is allowing you to go with the flow, which is allowing you to go, okay, it's not going to be the way I want it. So let me loosen into that structure. Let me flow and let me be creative and come up with, you know, a, a mantra or a system or some kind of um, expression that will allow me to, you know, be in my body or in my highest self. Mm -hmm. So, um, so it was deep and amazing, but it wasn't plant power Italia or plant power Ireland. It wasn't the same. It wasn't quite the same. And it also, you know, in this lifetime, I mean, we are together and we're doing, we do separate work, but we're doing a lot of it together. And, it, and, you know, you're my, my lover, my best friend, the father of my children, you know, the, my, the person I like to joke with, the person I like to share with. So, you know, it, no more it, solo retreats. No, I'm definitely going to do more yeah, solo retreats. And now I can announce my next solo retreat. Yeah. No, I will. I just had a, an appreciation, you know, and I was like, oh, wow, I hadn't really noticed that before. Uh, and I also have to say, you know, within, you're in my relationship as well, the way that the business set up originally and as we came out of this financial collapse was that, you know, you came into yourself, you know, quite quickly and I was not. And so it took me, you know, a few years to get into a position where I could start expressing myself again. And I have to say that, you know, in some of the early days of that, um, you know, I was not being seen. I was not being recognized or not being considered, really. I think your machine was just moving and you were in your own space. Um, and the shift of you seeing me and actually uh, giving me that recognition has allowed a great um, peace and a great, uh, I think, fulfillment to come in our relationship. Yeah, well, it's been beautiful to watch you grow and blossom. And, you know, this podcast is just one example of that, you know, 100 episodes and you're cranking out books like crazy, like you're in a productive, creative flow that I haven't seen. Like you're hitting a stride that, you know, seems natural to you, but you know, what you're able to generate every day, like it's crazy. So, you know, it's, it's cool to see that and I'm proud of you. Thanks honey. Yeah. Okay. So what else do you want to ask me? <laughs> what, what you're supposed to talk, you're <laughs> supposed to ask me. <laughs> I'm the guest. <laughs> See, this is what happens so, when you don't prepare. Yeah, I want to, actually, I want to ask you about, um, about Eudele. Eudele. Did I say that right? Eudele. <laughs> Sorry, the Swedish friends. Eudele. Yeah, I think that's pretty close. So let's talk about your race. I mean, I have to say, I'll just share this one little inside thing about your race, which was uh, um, Rich did a race in, in Sweden, and it was like 52 transitions of like an all-day race, and I'll let him tell you the specifics about it in a minute. But 
he took off in the finish line and he was going to be racing all night because it was a nine hour difference. And he was out. No, I wasn't racing at night. You were here. Oh yeah, it was, exactly. Was he was Sweden racing here. in Sweden, but it was nighttime yeah. here. And I was getting in my bed and I was feeling the juxtaposition of our relationship as I sunk between my gorgeous sheets and thought, oh, I'm so sleepy. And I knew my husband was out on this course and would be there for the better part of nine hours or so. So tell us about that. How did, how did you meet that, and how was it different from Ultraman, or, or what was your experience in that so race? So this race, Atala, it's, it, it, it means island to island in Swedish, and uh, it's actually a, a whole sport swim run um, that is growing mostly in Europe, northern Europe. There's a whole circuit of these races, but this is the big one. Uh, it's the world championship event, and it's a one-day race, and over the course of one day, you traipse across 26 islands by land and by sea <clears throat> with 52 transitions. So you're constantly swimming across channels in the Baltic and climbing up rocks and running across small islands and jumping back in the water and doing it again. Uh, all told, it's about 40 miles of running and six miles of swimming, 75 kilometers in total. Uh, and it's a race that I trained for I started training last year at this time so I trained for like 10 months for it and you do it in tandem with a teammate in pairs not as a relay but you do it together and the rule is you always have to stay within 10 meters of your partner and I was doing it with my longtime coach Chris Houth and it was an amazing experience you know we we were in Stockholm for a couple days to acclimate to the time change. And then uh, the day before the event, all the competitors and the race organizers take a ferry from, the, from downtown Stockholm about two hours out to the outer reaches of this archipelago of islands that's spread across the Baltic um, that kind of surround Stockholm and the surrounding territories. And, you know, we were on this tiny island, and when we went to sleep that night, everything seemed cool. And when we woke up in the morning, there was sideways rain and the craziest wind ever, and the white caps in the water were just unbelievable. And so we knew we were in for quite an adventure. Um, and it, was a, it took us 10 and a half hours. I didn't sleep at all the night before. Everything that I did to acclimate to the time change didn't work. I felt terrible when I woke up in the morning, uh, completely unrested, and just had to buckle down and get it done. So I didn't have the race performance that I was hoping for. Um, and that gets further complicated when you're doing it with a teammate who's a much better athlete than you. Um, cause I was, you know, he, I was holding him back, you know, he could have, he could have probably finished it two hours sooner without me. Um, so I was struggling with that, but it was just very, very difficult, you know, the, and what was difficult was not the distances and, and, and surprisingly it wasn't the swimming or the cold water. I was able to manage all of that. And even there was one swim that was about, uh, 1.2 kilometers in the middle of the race where the white caps were up to six feet. The swells were insane. You know, just, it just, this race would, could never take place in the United States. They just would never allow it to to transpire. No insurance company would underwrite it. Like it's so crazy and dangerous. Um, but that was fine. It was more the slipping on rocks and climbing up rock faces on all fours and, you know, going underneath logs and, and 
sort of traipsing through bogs where the water was up to my knees and all this stuff that's not technically running that I didn't really train for. And I watched all the videos and thought I knew what was, I was doing and it really just punished me on, on a deep level. So it was the hardest one day thing I've ever done before, but it was really cool and I did it because it had been, um, how long, six years since I had last raced. 2011 was the last time I had done a big event. And turning 50, it just felt relevant again. And I wanted to connect with that part of who, who I am. And it was great. It made me realize that this is, you know, a big part of who I am and a big part of how I express who I am. So it felt really cool to, to conquer that challenge, even if it didn't go the way that I would have liked it to have. Um, and it's, it's very fulfilling for me. I'm definitely in my dharma doing it. And it was a beautiful event. The spirit and the ethos of, of this Otolo kind of uh, circus is infused with, you know, the sensibility of sustainability and preservation and like respect for these islands and the people that live there and the, the competitors, everybody involved in it was just, you know, beautiful. And it was a fantastic experience. It's amazing. It's extraordinary. So can I ask you a question? So when you're on the course, like, like what is your strategy What's going on in your mind? Like, do you think of me? <laughs> do you? I think of you sleeping in your bed. Like Julie, what Julie was referring to is the fact that it was being live streamed. And they actually had a really great um, team of filmmakers that were spread out all over this course, which is point to point. Like there's so much terrain to cover. And they had three teams at different places, uh, uh, you know, along the course to document the race itself. And the broadcast was actually really, really cool. They did an amazing job. So Julie, before she was going to sleep, logged on, she's watching it, she sees the start, and then she's like, I gotta go to bed, you know? Wakes up the next morning, pops the laptop open to see what's going on, and we're still racing, you know? So yeah, it was yeah, a long was... day. And did I think of you? <laughs> I can't say, honestly, what I was reflecting no, it's okay. on the family. No, it's okay, just I just like, wanna know. Yeah, I mean, you're, you, it, it forces you to be really present. The thing about okay. this race is you're constantly uncomfortable. Mm. And, and also, because it was new and I didn't know the course, you never know what's coming. Like, we rode out on our hand, you're allowed to use hand paddles in the swim, and we rode out all the distances in our hand paddles, but I'm not wearing my glasses, I can't read that. You know, I just know when I'm done with this run, there's going to be a swim, but I don't know these islands. And so it's not just, oh, we're at the end of this island, jump in the water. Like it would be like sliding down a granite rock face 40 feet on your butt to just get to the where the water is to get back into the water. Like every island was different. You know, it's like crazy. So I was just, I was just in the moment of like, how do I get through the next hundred yards of this mm -hmm. and like what's coming next? Because um, thinking about anything beyond that, like didn't make sense. And was right. not, you know, it's like, you're just, you're so uncomfortable. Like there, I had sand and gravel in my shoes the whole time. And you're like running a lot, like for 10 hours with like rocks in your shoes, like, you know, not, it's not that fun. good. The water's freezing and <laughs> you know, and as mm -hmm. soon as you kind of, you've run enough that you got warmed up again, you're back in the freezing cold water. So mm -hmm. you're just, it's like constantly uncomfortable. So it's like a relentless, um, exploration of the present moment and of being present in the pain? Yeah, I mean, I think so. Or are yeah. you fantasizing out of the pain? Are you looking in the future? Are you hoping for the end? You can't, well, you're like, how much longer is this going to go on? But you can't get caught up in that because that will just, you know, that will just crush you. So you just have to be like looking at what you have to do in that moment. Like mm -hmm. how are you getting to, you know, the next 
you know, swim. How are you? You know, it's just, and, and having a teammate there was actually really great because we're communicating the whole time and talking about how we're going to do this or that. And so, you know, but you're not, you're not really thinking about the end. You can't, no, you, you can't, can't do, do that. that. No. And then, so when you're in the moment and you're, you know, you're running out to jump in the freezing cold water to swim. So are you, are you relaxing into your breath? Are you trying to relax into your body or are you in a, like a, you know, gladiator mode? Like, how is that? Explain that to me. Cause I, I have no landscape for that whatsoever. I mean, it's a little bit of both, but you can't be in a heightened state of fight or flight for 10 hours straight. Like, so you have to relax into it, but you, you have to turn off your thinking brain. Like you can't be like, Oh, this water's going to be cold. How's that going to feel? Like you're just, do, you're in the, you're in the doing, you know? Mm. So you're trying to turn off your brain and all the signaling that's like, that's going to be cold. Like, do you really want to do that? Maybe you should take a break. You know, like all of that, like you have to block that out and you just have to propel yourself forward. So in order to do that, you have to be present, you know, to crowd out the messaging of the thinking brain. And you have to be in a, in a, in a bit of a gladiator warrior state to do that. But in a, in like, you have to be like, you have to be like the peaceful warrior. You have to be like, it's not like, like that, because that's not sustainable. You'll burn out. Right? You just have to be in your power. Mm-hmm. So would you say it's more of a frequency of like a yoga, like yoga asana, where you're in observation of your breath and your body is moving and in something difficult or not even like that? You're like, I mean, what? There's, a, there's a little bit of that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you have to be, you, it, like, because you're like, okay, I'm going to be out here for 10 hours. Mm-hmm. You have, it's about like, it's about regulating your output. You can't just be sprinting around like a madman. You have to be conscious of like, you have to be aware of like, okay, what's a sustainable pace? Like, what can I do um, to move myself forward as quickly and as efficiently as possible without uh, getting into a situation where you're in the red and you're going to burn out and not finish? So mm-hmm. you have to, and that only comes with experience. Like, how do you gauge your output? It's about efficiency. So, regulating your breath and like being, you know, calm within yourself. That's all about efficiency. Mm-hmm. And so your races, your Ultraman races, even though it's very, very different, I would say that, I mean, isn't it true that psychologically, or at least with your awareness that this all seasoned you, even if the race isn't the same, like, did you, did you have a lot of experience from your Ultraman oh, races course. from Epic yeah, five? Like, is it getting, are you better at it? Is it easy well, for you? It's easier not for easy. you? It's not easy, but you know, there's a confidence like, Oh, 10 hour, like 10 hours. Okay. You know, I can do that. Like, you know, it's <laughs> like, I know I'll be able to do it, you know, right. like whether I'll be able to do it at the level that I want to, or how comfortable I'm going to be doing it. Those are factors I can't mm. necessarily control, but, mm-hmm. but I know I'll be able to get to the end of it. You know, mm-hmm. I've done enough and I have enough experience to know, to know that you know, mm-hmm. short of like falling and hitting my head or something. Right. Which you, how many times Which, did you fall? Um, I could, I couldn't even count. I mean, in the first, the first run segment in the first kilometer, somebody slipped and cracked their head and was unconscious. Mm-hmm. Like there, I think there were something like 25 teams that didn't finish out of 150 teams. And a lot of it were, were due to injuries or, or, or just setbacks where people weren't making the time cuts. Wow. So. That's extraordinary. Wow. That's amazing. You're incredible. You're an amazing 
<laughs> no, you are. I mean, I could never do anything remotely like that. Like, not even close. Yeah, but you don't. You don't have to. I don't have to because you're doing it. It's not your thing. You know? <laughs> you're doing that in the relationship. So that's yeah. so good. That's awesome. And what else is coming up? What's next? I just turned in the second edition of Finding Ultra. I I wrote uh, a brand new chapter that was like sixty pages, single spaced. Something. Oh no, it was. I'm sorry. How long was it? No, it was like 25 pages single space. So I'm thinking like when it's double spaced and format, it's going to mm-hmm. be like 60 pages. Mm-hmm. Um, a recipe section, which you contributed to. Thank you. You're um, welcome. I rewrote, like I just did a line edit of the whole book and, and changed a lot of stuff throughout mm-hmm. that. That is always, that's always bugged me and uh, beefed up the appendices and just a lot more helpful takeaway information to it. And that book is coming out in June. So I'm pretty excited about that. And that's... now trying to, crack the code on what the next book is going to be. That's awesome. And then we have our Plant Power Italia coming out in April 2018 as well, which is going to be cool. What about race-wise, though? Contemplating something at the end of winter that Mm -hmm. I'm not ready to talk about, but we'll see how that (laughs) develops. All right, Um, cool. Chris had another idea that he ran by me the other day, which was running the John Muir Trail this summer. Oh, wow. Which would be like... I don't know however many, I don't know how many miles it is, but it's like running 30 miles a day for an extended period of time. Dude, that sounds fun. <laughs> yeah. Where is that? In California. It's in California. Yeah. Okay. It's not the famous trail from... Uh, the Appalachian Trail? Yeah. No, that, yeah, that would be in another, that would be in another geographical yeah. location. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> okay, yeah. good. Thanks for pointing that out. Yeah. So we'll see. Um, I don't know. I mean, you know, one of the things that... Yeah, that I feel good about is that it took me a long time to get race fit again. And I didn't want to come back after Sweden and let all that go. So I've maintained, I'm trying to maintain my fitness. It's not as intense as it was before Otillo, but it's important to me that I keep that part up of what I do and not just get so caught up in the business and all the other things that we're doing that I let that fall by the wayside. And I think doing that race in Sweden made me realize that, you know, that is a, that is a big part of who I am and, and, and that deserves you know, attention. Yeah, it definitely does. I mean, it's definitely your dharma. It's definitely something that I see you thrive in. And I love the energy that you are and what you gain from those races. I think it's, you know, something extraordinary that you can do that, you know, not that many people on the planet are, you know, are able to do that I know, kind but of at experience. the same time, it's sort of like, for me now, you know, it's different than it was in 2010 and 11 where it's like, I want to see if I can do this and what am I capable of? Like, I don't need to prove anything to myself anymore. And now it's more about like, well, you know, what am I doing that's going to activate the most number of people in the most substantive, real way? And if I'm out training all the time, then am I missing an opportunity to be of service in a meaningful way? And so doing the race in Sweden, you know, was relevant because, okay, I'm 50. Can I still do this? I can do some storytelling around this and hopefully that can be inspiring to people. But whatever challenge I do or the training that I do has to be tied in a fundamental way to the work that we're doing. It can't just be like, oh, I'm going to go do some crazy event for whatever. Like it has to be integral to the rest of the messaging. It will be, but I, you know, I would also say that it's just part of who you are. It's part of your authenticity. And so just in the fact that you're doing that, it resonates with people. It's almost like it's, spontaneously it activates people because 
because you're in your authentic expression, which in, you right. know. It just gets tricky because there's yeah. so much going on and like right. where do you apportion your time and your energy? It's true. I just feel like for me as well, um, you know, that we're in our 50s. It's like this is the time to really embody your body in the strongest way that you can um, because, you know, we're meant to be here. We're meant to be here on earth um, sharing our experience, sharing love, sharing you know, wisdom and helping other people, um, and also celebrating our own life, you know, doing what we were meant to do here. And in order to do that, you need to have a very healthy body because we're living much longer. And so, um, there's a lot of focus. I think, uh, one of the most powerful spiritual practices is to really, um, uh, experience your body as a temple that's really housing the spirit. And so that means, uh, that, you know, one would take the utmost care of the body and make sure that it's, you know, fit and supple and flexible and being fed the highest vibrational foods and getting the rest that it needs and getting the nourishment that it needs. Um, because these bodies are divine. And I always say that if anybody doubts the existence of a God, just look inside the human body because it is truly miraculous. Indeed it is. Indeed it is. <laughs> All right, so um, I think we're going to wrap it up there. That might have been my longest podcast really? ever today. Maybe. This might be my um, shortest. Anyway, I know. It's just <laughs> another another way that we're yeah. so extremely different. Um, but anyway, uh, babe, thanks for coming on for my 100th episode. I appreciate it. It's been really fun to have you on. And um, I hope to stand beside you and celebrate with you and experience many, many, many more years and incarnations of our relationship. Who might we become uh, together know. and apart? Who knows? Uh, Only the, the universe knows the answer <laughs> to that question. But, That's right. Um, thank you. I love you. And thank you for having me on your show. And to 100 more episodes of Divine Through Line. Thanks, love. If you're feeling some healing and you like what you hear, please remember to donate. Uh, you can go to the link on my website, trimati.com, or you can donate on Patreon. Uh, I want to thank everybody for your generous support and for being with me along this journey. It means a lot. Um, also, uh, remember to check out Rich and My Plant Power Meal Planner. It's an incredible service that you can have for under $2 a week. Uh, it plans all your meals out, and you can customize them. You can enter in likes, dislikes, allergies, um, the size of the crowd you're cooking for. It even does single servings. And we recently um, were able to provide metric measurements as well. So it's going to be very applicable to all of our international crew. Uh, so check it out. It's been a super, super well-received um, service and uh, extremely affordable and uh, I think you will enjoy it. Um, also, if you, you tell people where to find it, yeah, they can go to my website, srimati.com. They all know going to srimati.com. That's where you guys find everything that I'm mentioning. Your site to it? Yeah, I have a banner on it. Have you been to my site? Have you not, seen not it? Recently. You haven't recently been there. Okay, you should go check it out. <laughs> I wonder what Julie's doing. I'm going to go on her website. Well, you're like, do you have a banner? <laughs> Uh, so, uh, also if you don't have my book yet, um, I just came from Miami, uh, Rich and I actually were there for the seed food and wine festival and we, uh, had an amazing experience actually, 
at the Burger Battle, I partnered with Diego Tassoni from Love Life Wellness and Recovery Center. Diego won the Burger Battle last year, and he invited me to do the cheese on his burger this year. Uh, We took second place. Second place is still pretty good. We were pretty happy with it. But anyway, I made cheese, cheddar cheese. I cooked cheddar cheese for 600 burgers. Um, It was quite a thing. It was really amazing. And uh, I was really, really honored to team up with Diego and Veronica, his beautiful partner. Uh, We also presented at Seed. Rich and I did a panel on recovery, actually addiction. We talked about addiction and its relationship to food and, and why so many of us struggle with that and what we can do about that. So that was cool to open that conversation and bring it into the wellness forum um, and then I was on the master chef stage making cheese. I made a burrata and also a cashew truffle. Um, my cheese book is amazing. It, I'm sorry, I made it, but it's incredible. <laughs> the cheese is so, it's so shocking. It's funny because I, I have a meeting coming up and I made a couple test cheeses a few days ago and I just had Rich taste them in the kitchen today and we were both just marveling on how amazingly close to cheese they taste. Like the the cheesy taste is so there and the ingredients are so pure and so simple. So anyway, if you haven't checked it out, if you feel intimidated, intimidated by the dehydrator, don't. Get the book. Even if you learn three of these recipes, it will completely change your game. Um, Very, very simple, creative, delicious, cheesy, tangy recipes. It's cheese 2.0. It's the new cheese. It's way better than dairy. Compassionate, healthy, and uh, loving to our planet. So to your body, our animals, and your planet. So check it out. It's all at srimati.com. Can I add one thing? Yeah, Can I ask you one question? Yeah, ask me one question. You left one thing out. Oh, yeah, go ahead. You never said the name of the book. This cheese is nuts. There you go. <laughs> I say it every single episode, so I'm sure they know. Um, So check out my book, This Cheese is Nuts. Thanks, Rich, for reminding me that I didn't say the name. Um, Anyway, check it out, and uh, I guess that's it, guys. I'll see you soon. I know I promised you a healing, a sexual healing 2.0. I will come up with that. I actually, you guys are going to be shocked, but I have a backlog of podcasts that I'm going to be putting up. I wanted to wait, though, for Rich Roll to be my 100th episode. And it took us a little few days to schedule the time. So anyway, um, I've got a, an amazing podcast with Wuda coming up, and I've got a podcast from the Malta Retreat with my group there, which is amazing. So anyway, stay tuned. I'll do the sexual healing next because I know some of you guys are waiting for it, and I appreciate you. And uh, until next week, I'm sending you and your families so much love and so much grace. Uh, live your own heart and. Uh, be compassionate, be kind and loving to yourself. And uh, that's it. Be well. Namaste.
Take my hand 